What's happening, everyone? Welcome to the Paranormies. I am Johnny Monoxide, and tonight I'm joined by Reinhardt. What's up? Not much. Um, I've just got a quick, uh, wholesome Paranormies anecdote to share. Go ahead. So I was wearing our white t-shirt, the Lovecraft design, last night, and I walked up to my son, and I picked him up, and he looked at it. He saw the gray alien that's up in the top right corner. He just points at it and says alien for the first time. Sweet. Very nice. He also said the first syllable of a three-letter word starting with J. Ah, that took me a half a second, but yes. Okay, so uh, we missed all the other intros. Also joining us this evening, Dogbot, hello. Howdy. Howdy. Uh, You don't have a, a, a long intro story to tell, do you? Uh, no, I could step outside and I could point and say alien and <laughs> probably be right 90% of the time. Well, that's illegal alien where you are, but I mean, yeah. what's the difference? Um, also joining us this week, he joined us the other night and I forgot to, to say something, uh, but Grognak down in the dungeon, taking notes. What's up? Hey, hey. So did he, was, was the word juice by any chance? That's close. It was, Three it was jewel pod. Yeah, it, was, it was jewel. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Do you wear yours around your neck? Do you wear your jewel pod around your neck, Reinhardt? No, I have it on a uh, on the same chain as my wallet. Oof. Oof. At least it's not around his neck, right, Grognak? Monsters. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's happening, but okay. It's okay. Grognak gets the joke. Uh... Yeah, I actually, dude, I actually got to hang out with Grognak a couple of times while I was on the road recently. We went to see Cannibal Corpse together. It's like the third time I've mentioned that. But um, to hang out with him and his brother, we went to a, a little brew pub and had had some food and talked. A little discussion before I headed back home. It's cool, you know, meeting, meeting uh, and hanging out with people IRL, not just internet friends. Yeah, that is awesome. So, yeah, um, need to do. We need to make it a point to do a little bit more of that going forward. Yeah, the IRL stuff is is cool. I know a lot. Of, I know a lot of people that listen to the show are freaks. I mean, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm kidding, dude. I'm totally. What? I'm sorry. What, dude? We gotta go look for Bigfoot next time. Yes, next time we're gonna look for Bigfoot, and definitely we're gonna poke around those Tartarian buildings. We gotta do it in the daytime. So. Yes. No, nah, just bring some bolt cutters. I meant okay. I mean, they're not in like, Minecraft, right? Yeah, Reinhardt. Like, I didn't mean the freaks thing, by the way. Okay, but what I meant yeah. was, no, I didn't stop. <laughs> okay, we don't uh, have contempt for the audience. No, we here. don't have contempt for the audience. Talk about stop. Um, I'm not saying it's contempt. I'm just saying that it would be accurate for some. Yeah, I'm. I, I was members of the audience. Can I? Can I make my own mea culpa, please? Is that okay? All right. What I meant was that people who listen to a lot of conspiratorial, paranormal stuff sometimes, you know, tend to not be the normal type. But I don't think we have too many of those here. I think I think all those I think all those people left for those other uh, those other conspiratard conspiracy podcasts. 
that you mean they're pay- they're paying for their David Wilcox subscription. Yes, they're paying for him to somehow maintain that freaking parking lot size head of his. Guys, he, he, uh, well, yeah, wax gets expensive. All right, he's got to keep the shine up. <laughs> I will say one thing: his male pattern baldness has stopped. So it's just like it went to that one I, point. And that was it. I still think he looks like the creepy barber dude from Courage the Cowardly Dog. No. It's just, I can't unsee it. Yeah, kind of, I guess, yeah. That was such a weird cartoon. Probably a lot of Revolution of Method in there. Yeah, there was a lot of, like, weird... Well, there was alien stuff all the time, right? Yeah, there was a lot of, like, hidden in plain sight alien and breeding stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. And... It was just really weird. Of all the of all the uh like the primetime uh, cartoon network shows, that was probably the weirdest. At, th- at that time. Now like everything's fucking retarded on Cartoon Network. I haven't it's, it went like, it went straight past weird to just straight mental issues. Yeah, it went straight to like trannies and weird gay stuff and it's like yeah. Anyway. Enough about that. Rip the good cartoon network. The Johnny Bravo era. <laughs> All right. Uh, we don't have any orders of business to conduct this evening, so we may move along down the... Um, th- no, I'm, we're not doing that either. Did you guys watch Did you guys watch those videos that, that Skull posted about um, everything? Every fraternal order is like literally the same and also Jewish. Uh, I, I didn't, but I've instinctively understood that. The guy that makes the video, that's like his whole point of his video series is to point out how similar, like the order of the Eagles, the order, fraternal order of the Elks, the, the you know, all the, everybody knows the Shriners, but the Masons, uh, the order of the Eastern Star, the order of this, the order of that, blah, blah, blah. They're all exactly the same from the way they write their minutes to the way that they're. Uh, to the way that all of their meetings are held, to basically the names, the, the names, the amount of officers that they have, um, the way that their halls are laid out, the way that their, um, like the procession of the important people up to their little dais or stage or whatever you call it, uh, it's all the same, literally exactly the same. And yeah, I noticed that my union hall does it the exact same way as well. So um, labor unions also follow along with this. And also the last one was like, okay, so I watched the two hour one cause I was driving. I didn't watch it. I listened, uh, the two hour one, man, the last 30 minutes is pretty interesting because there's another fraternal order that you probably wouldn't think was connected to all of these. That is exactly connected to all of these. I'm not going to tell you cause you got to watch the videos. Benign breath. No, that's who started everything. Yeah. You're going the wrong direction. Did you see the video I forwarded about Morgellons? Um, when did you forward it? Uh, last evening. Then no, I have not. Nope. I will watch it tomorrow. Maybe. There is a crazy screenshot of a, um, I think a 200X picture of the end of a Morgellons fiber, and it has... It's yellow and it has a hexagonal grid eye on it. 
It's really, really weird. Yeah, I did see that one here. I'll just uh, I'll put it back in our Telegram chat so we can oh. see it easily. That is very, very odd. Oh, that I did see that picture. I didn't pay any attention to what it was attached to. That is the end of a Morgellon fiber coming out of a person. Yes. Hmm. Oof. Okay, so you guys know that I talked about Morgellons like four and a half years ago on This Weekend Went Genocide with Horace. We had like a we have a weird paranormies night tonight. We're going to talk about Morgellons and how it was a uh, fictitious thing and it was like psychosomatic and blah, blah, blah. I didn't. Uh, that, that's the general, that's the general right. uh, medical consensus. Yeah, yes. that it's just it's made up in your head. You know, you're, you're just imagining it. Um, no. But then, then this. Yeah, these are these are real things. This is probably you're probably going to see a lot more of this uh, than coming, you know, with what with, with the, the vaccinated. Well, yeah, and like we talked about with uh, Wayne McCord, we've gotten pictures from people that we know in chats that we've you know talked to for a couple of years now, um, who've sent us pictures from people that they know very well personally, who have looked at like vaccinated blood and things that have mm-hmm. found. You know the hydras, right? Um, literally these organisms, literally in living blood, living Morgellons. Yes, in people's blood. So, like now, now we realize there's nothing psychosomatic about this, right? Right. So, unless these are all millions of little mini tulpas in everybody's body. <laughs> I mean, all right. Why not? It's the it's the being that's a spiritual being that's supposedly created out of like well, conscious what, will or something. I, I know what a tulpa is. Okay. I, I was saying, all right, like I was, you know, like why not? <laughs> was agreeing with I mean, you. It could be. Say, <laughs> did you say fupa? Tulpa. Don't tulpa. Do don't. It's too okay, early right. in the show, right. Dogbot. Okay. We're right. already talking about more gallons, and you had you had to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's too early, Dogbot. Too early. Second half. Family friendly okay. first hour. Or something. I, I, I'm, no. I try to keep things we don't. family no, friendly. We, no, you don't. No, we don't. No, <laughs> nobody does. Was, I got yelled at one time. I not really yelled at, but somebody said something. They, they had to turn the show off one time because there was too much cussing. Oh, uh, yeah. I've heard that before. I, yeah. I, I tr- I've been but this was, this was consciously like, trying to cuss less. This was Art. a long time ago, though. So. I'm going to blame Bradshaw, basically. Wow. <laughs> wow. Pulling that one out of the, out well, of the cave. Well, I mean, I, I, the time and, and the, the person who was talking and stuff. So, yeah, it was, it was, I'm going to say it was probably Brad. Miss you, Brad, honestly. Uh, he's doing well, just so everybody knows. Brad's doing great. So, Good. Yeah. Um, Love Brad. Yeah. He, and one. he is alive. He is. Yes, he is alive. And has a job and is doing stuff and is being a good boy. So, Brad's Brad's doing fine. All right, so we actually have content, so we're just gonna cut out the shit posting tonight. All right, we have a very important show tonight. Oh, speaking of very important things, <laughs> wow. we're gonna have we're gonna have several guests on in the next, what might be the next few weeks, uh, but we have several guests. And y'all are gonna enjoy it. Trust me. Yeah, we're we're all excited for each of them. Yeah, yeah, not not as excited as you, but yes. Oh, 
calm down. No, I'm I, I am calm. I'm not the one that we're gonna worry about. Oh my god! I dropped my pen and it's dark in here because we're doing. Do you guys notice the music? Right, well, we started the show with tonight. Yeah, yeah. We're doing old school paranormies. We're gonna we're gonna go and take a little little ride on the ocean and try not to get eaten by sea monsters. What do you think, guys? I love it. Yeah, I love sea monsters. I. It- I always wondered when I was looking at old maps, you know, you'd obviously see like the one that's, you know, like the Kraken, that's the octopus or whatever. But there are always some other ones, you know, that would have like a, you know, like kind of like a, a cat looking head and some some claws coming, you know, with the scales coming out of the water. I was like, why? Why do why we never hear about those? Well, we're, we're going to. We're going to. Yeah, we can find. So, yeah. Um, sea monsters. What exactly is this? I mean, some of these things, you know, some of these things are not fictitious. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of um, actual lore and real fishermen's tales of, uh, they might not be lies. You know, they might not just be old fishing tales. Um, but, you know, real or mythical a uh, sea monster is, by definition, any creature that comes from the sea. Usually large and threatening, though. So, I mean, in theory, any octopus could be considered a sea monster, right? I mean, especially the big ones. Well, octopus? Ones. I mean, octopi, I don't think... I don't think oct- octopi get really huge. Uh, I think it, you're, it's the the squids, dude, the giant squids. Man, and then there's the, the Sea of Cortez squid. Have you ever seen those? Yeah, well, they're, see, that's what I'm talking about. It's just the very, the very large ones. They're still, yeah. you know, known to be that big, but they're no less unsettling because well, of how smart they are, too. Well, well, the Sea of Cortez squids are like known to attack people, and they swim near the surface at night. And fishermen are out there and getting their nets, and they'll reach into the water. And this squid, which is like, they're not huge. The Sea of Cortez squids aren't huge, but they have like really gnarly beaks and they will like jump right up out of the water to attack fishermen. I always thought that was just very unsettling. Like sea monsters as a kid, they, they were my favorite kind of grouping of mm-hmm. monsters, I guess. Cause I've always loved the ocean. Um, but yeah, the beaks on squids to begin with, I thought was always just a really, really creepy design choice by God. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, <Satan>. the hum- <laughs> it's <laughs> right. Almost, it's, it's the Humboldt. Is, it's actually called the Humboldt squid. So sorry. Go sorry. ahead. What? Almost as creepy as the poisonous, uh, the poisonous hook and so on on the flipper of a platypus. Yeah, they made them look so cute. It's so sweet. Well, they're so cute when they're, they're little. Poisonous. When they get big, they're not cute. Like platyp- platypuses, platypi, platypi, platypi. Is it platypi? Platypuses are ugly when they're big. When they're little, they're super cute because they like fl- splash around and flip around. And it's like, oh, it's so cute. But then they get you with that that venomous spike on their webbed foot so they have webbed feet and a bill like a duck and they have a tail like a beaver and they're furry like a beaver and they have that little poisonous spike on their feet man because why not yeah because why not and they're they're found where australia Hmm. australia yeah australia was definitely like some sort of test facility for weird animals so is it like uh 
like in second Jurassic Park, they go to the testing island. Is that kind of like that, but for like Nephilim genetic experiments? I mean, everything just kind of got loose. Have you seen everything in Australia? The only thing that's not like poisonous or trying to kill you or a drug addict is uh, is the uh, the Australian opossum, which I think they they screwed up when they were delivering them, and the shitty ones came here. And the really cute ones went to Australia. It was supposed to be the other way around. You're trying to tell me that those adorable little rock wallabies are trying to kill me? <sighs> are you, are you going to do this literally every time everybody does anything with like a generality? No, I was. You do it, but you about, do. Because you but do. I was thinking about rock wallabies there. Okay. <laughs> but like literally everything except for the rock wallaby in Australia is either venomous, poisonous. Spikes tries to kill you, or you know, will eat you. Okay, what about except the, and drug and drug addicts. Okay, because you know, koala bears and baby eating dingoes. The, right, they like I said, trying it's to in, eat. It's in the, it's in the name. It's yeah. name yeah, bilbies are kind of cute though. What are they? Though, the, I mean, they are pretty cute. They're kind of like uh, little mini mouse rabbit things. Of course, they're marsupials. Right, they're they're weird. So yeah, but anyways, yeah, Australia was like a test facility for genetic experiments. That's my opinion. I mean, have you seen like the spiders and stuff from there? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, New Ev- Zealand too has the funnel web spiders. Yes, and then they just have in Australia it's called the brown spider. <laughs> it's like, but that thing will like you get bit and you're like dead in minutes. Yeah, one of the one of the more horrific things I saw on cable television was one of those one of those shows where you know they make you scared of bugs and it showed this australian lady she's basically just hanging out by her pool and one of those brown spiders were right under the arm the armrest of the the sun chair she was in and it gave her a good old bite and she was within minutes of dying because the distance it was from the hospital in order to get the anti-venom. If you live in Australia, you need an anti-venom cabinet. Yeah. Basically. In your house. They, like a liquor they, cabinet. But for I think they had to take a chunk out of her arm. It probably just died off. I've seen people with brown recluse bites and they're like a big divot where that where the flesh kind of got necropsis and died. All right. Oh yeah. We are we are not talking about spiders tonight. We're talking about sea monsters. Well let's go back to the ocean. So well, I was talking about the Humboldt squid. Um, they are one of them, one of the squid that supposedly are related to the giant squids, the uh, Archetotherus. Arch- do it, Reinhardt. Can you do it? What are you? I don't know yeah, what no, you're trying to read. No, the giant squid, Archetotherus. I, I, I got it, Archetotherus. Archetotherus. Yes. It sounds like something Les Claypool would sing. Oh yeah, Archituthus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought that Archituthus on a right, right, exactly. Gotta love that family friendly first hour. Yes. <laughs> um. So they get to be like a hundred feet long. That's a big freaking squid. Like the body is twenty feet long, and the the tentacles are. I don't know, eight, no, the body is like 40 feet long and the tentacles are 60 feet long. That's fucking huge and scary, dude. 60 foot giant squids in the Sea of Cortez. Yep. 
Yeah. No, thank you. That's legit because people go shark diving in the Sea of Cortez and they're like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's a really large sea monster. And I don't want to look at, I don't want to be in this water anymore. 60 foot giant squid was encountered. That's where they first started seeing these things. Um, that's, that's a legitimate real sea monster. Well, yeah, and they started before the giant squid was uh, scientifically documented, like the actual what they call the giant squid. Mm. Um, they were finding them, I know, in uh, they were just finding them dead. They weren't finding them alive until about 18 years ago, I want to say, um, near Japan. Really? Yeah. So the first documented uh, they, live one was in the 2000s. Yeah. Other besides that, they'd only ever found uh, dead specimens, things like washed up on a beach, mm-hmm. um, or of course just sightings. Uh, that's it. Mm. Man, what is it about like talking about like monsters from the ocean? Gives me, it gives me worse heebie-jeebies. Um, is it thinking about the literal crushing depths of yeah. the ocean and how just uh, these things? live out there in this abyss they do they live out there in the dark it's dark really dark down there yeah and and giant squids dive very very deep Mm -hmm. that's why that's why they're not seen right Uh, they can go actually i was just reading here uh they can go between 300 and a thousand meters almost yeah almost a mile wow you want to do that you want to do that in american please like we're not in canada right right yeah they they grab they grab a whale and they pull them they they like pull them way down to mm-hmm. where they can't breathe and then they that's how they kill them yeah they just hang on to them until the the whale basically suffocates yeah yeah Drowns. and they'll do that to sperm whales killer whales yep. like these are big freaking whales <laughs> they do this too I mean imagine sperm that whales if, are if huge be, if you happen to be lucky enough to see a giant squid and a sperm whale going at it. You would think that that's, those are two Leviathans battling it out. And that's why you're probably caught in a storm two days later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing is, you know, if you're down there, that's what you're looking for. So you're, you're actually going for, you know, if you, if you're, if you're seeing, a sperm whale and a, and a giant squid duke it out. You're probably down there on some sort of research team, like doing that kind of research. And you have balls. Yes. Tell you. yes. <laughs> Very much so. Um, oh man. Creature from the black lagoon. Wasn't number one. I'm looking at um, the top 10 best sea monster movies. And the creature from the black lagoon was not number one. Please tell me shark to is. No, no, it was uh, the shape of water. Oh, oh my god! There's is, no, there's no way that 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 is manufactured. No way. That's yeah, got to be that's got to be literal propaganda for the movie. Right. That is the Benicio. That no, I was about to say Benicio del Toro. Uh, it's Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. Uh, love story. Yeah, but it's, it's like literally his magnum opus, though. Like <laughs> what? It's like it's a great movie. Have you never seen it? I mean, I'm never going to watch that movie. It's I saw it and it's full. It's oh man, <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I can't do the interspecies romance thing. Yeah, it was a long time ago, and it's a dude. It's a fucking horror movie. Wasn't and that long ago. 
That was like five years ago, six was years it? ago. Yeah, like three years ago. Was it that? Uh, I thought Shape it was of Water 2017. Five years. Oh wow, five years. Okay, five years ago. Okay, man, I was thinking of a different movie then. No, this is the one about the. De- this is gay. Never mind. Never mind. I'm thinking of a different movie. <laughs> this is a different movie. No, this is gay. I just looked at pictures from the movie. No, 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 no. I didn't. This is not the movie I was thinking of. Never mind. Are you, okay? Yeah. What? What? No, I, I like okay. Never mind. The Abyss. I'm. I'm kicking this one. The Abyss is the number one movie about sea monsters. Yes. And I, I still don't know how the creature from the Black Lagoon did not end up in like in the top three, but uh, the Abyss was very cool, though. So, a movie that I love. Sea monster. It wasn't really a sea monster either. Yeah. No. I mean, they were like underwater people. Like a, that was a, that was like an alien thing. That was like the T one thousand underwater. Yeah, but that well, they were using they, they weren't really the T one thousand. They were using water to like form a shape that humans would understand. They're basically light. Basically, Nazi monsters. All right. Yeah, you take notes. <laughs> no, they were. They, it's not that they were sea monsters. It was that it was basically this this signal the director was trying to make that uh, we we are the secondary major life forms on the planet. It was yeah. supposed to be like a nod to USOs and right. stuff like that. Like this is, you know, that, that they have the, an entire civilization down in the Mariana Trench and we're not welcome. And also, yeah. also it was like an anti-nuclear war movie. Uh, they basically... They basically held tidal waves in midair over major coastal cities and said, unless we get rid of our nukes, they're going to drop the tidal waves on us. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a James Cameron movie. It wouldn't be a James Cameron film if it didn't have some ulterior motive like that. This is true. Kind of James... like how Avatar was like Earth Day yeah. for Bugmen. <laughs> Earth Day for Bugmen. I like that. <laughs> Nice. Isn't every day Earth Day for Bugman though? Only I mean, when the new Avengers sure. movie comes out. That's what? that's also true. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's anyway. the Sabbath. Right. That's the yeah. Right. That's like a high the, holiday. Uh, the Abyss wasn't a bad movie. No, the Abyss was a great movie. Yeah, I I liked uh, Leviathan that came out at the exact same time with Peter Weller. Mm. That's a f- that was good. Leviathan yeah. was good. Uh, that's that's some Cold War propaganda because they found a they found a Russian sub. Oh yeah, and the and the Russian sub they were doing naughty stuff with genetic experiments. That's right, and that's how they ended up with the monster, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They brought on board. What a surprise! Yeah. Yep, they did. Yeah, yeah. I those, mean those damn Ruskies. <laughs> I mean the Ruskies were doing the human Z thing though. Right, right, and nobody else was. Just the Russians. Yeah, we have the yeah, monster. Yeah, of Mon- we have the monster of Montauk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have, yes, we have that, and also you know, human pig chimeras up on the ISS. I'm not doing the voice. <laughs> <laughs> Too tired. I'm a little tired. I'm a little tired. I drove very far yesterday. I'm still kind of recovering. Um. Yeah, I drove. I drove what ten and a half hours yesterday. God damn. We're not going to do that again for a while. Um, but sea monsters. Talk about, you mentioned the Kraken earlier. 
And then the Kraken was always my favorite because growing up, I loved that really shitty um, Clash of the Titans movie. Yeah, that's, oh, you- that's a funny thing about the Clash of the Titans use of Kraken. The Kraken is not a Greek mythology monster. No, it's Norse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and Greek mythology has plenty to pull from for for uh, its sea monsters, mm-hmm. which yeah. we'll mention one later. But maybe maybe it was one of those things where the claymation special effects artist had made this really cool four armed <laughs> monster, and they were like, "Well, that doesn't correspond with anything in Greek mythology." And he's like, "Well, then you fucking do it." Right. He was like, "I made well, I made this." Like yeah. yeah, and also the kraken isn't a four-armed monster. The kraken is right. a like a giant squid, basically. Right. Um, the kraken is most likely real. Was is whatever, and is most likely a giant squid. There was a kid down the street that had that action figure, the the kraken. I think it was a beast. It was, it was one of the bigger action figures you could get as a kid. I remember that man. It was like two feet tall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it was, was very pretty- large. It was, it was ridiculous, but it could hold it could hold little action figures in his, his right. Hands. It was that big was enough to it was big enough to hold the little like five and a half inch whatever they were. Yeah, because the, the Clash of the Titans guys were all the same size as the Star Wars guys. They're all made by Kenner, I think. Yeah, all, yeah, they, yeah, they 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 tried to make most action figures the size of GI Joe and Star Wars, and yeah, yeah. So yes. you could play with them all together, yeah. except for like the uh, the big gym. Stuff. Those guys were like the twelve inch, the big ones with articulating arms and the actual kung fu grip. Anyhow. Yeah. Anyhow. That's like some bug man shit right there. I don't have any of my stuff from when I was a kid. He looks over to his wall. No, the only thing I the only thing I have is my R2 D2. The remote control R2 D2. And that's just because that somehow luckily managed to it's like make it through all the time. It was like in somebody's garage for a long ass time and like is that he yours? opened up one of the compartments and there was a Hitler action figure and he knew I have to have this <sighs> I back. wish I, there's a there's a Hitler action figure. Of course there's a Hitler action figure. I thought those were just like the cool Legos. I I know there's a Hitler action figure out there. There has to be. There has to be. Does it have? But 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 what well, it'll it'll have like one testicle, one sixth scale Adolf Hitler action figure. For my birthday three years Sold ago, out. somebody had gotten me some Misfits Crimson Ghost action figures there that were made recently because I I like the Misfits and the band. Yeah, they made a Glenn so Danzig like, action so it's figure. Like, it's like the Crimson Ghost from different. Uh, from different 45 covers. Oh, there's okay. Like an Earth, there's like an Earth AD version right. and stuff like that. And right. I'm like, oh, okay. That's cool. Holy crap. This is the last off-topic thing I'll say, and then we can get back to Sea Monsters, but Adolf Hitler action figure going for $1,200. All right. That better come with a signed copy of Mein Kampf. Right. Uh, it comes in a collector's edition box with three different uniforms, different is medals. It, gloves, what is it? A, is it cane. like a? Is it like a fucking Barbie? <laughs> what is it? I mean, I'll post it the has Amazon to be, link yeah. right here. There's an Amazon link, of course there is, and you can, of course there is, you can finance it for sixty for sixty six point six seven dollars. No, oh no. I'm on. Not right. even kidding. Let's, all yeah. right. 
So Kraken was not a Kraken was not no. a four-armed uh, brown monster. No, no, the Kraken was not a four-armed brown monster that came up out of the sea and tried to eat Perseus. No, um, <laughs> Cassiopeia. Cassi- that's right. It was Cassiopeia. She was being sacrificed. But yeah, yeah. Um, it was Andromeda. Oh. Oh, okay. Was it? Well, it was, it was for the good of the village. Whatever. And they didn't. They didn't do what, it. Whatever. The movie was fake. Okay. I liked. I just liked it because it was like silly claymation, and I was a kid. Anyway. Cal- Calabos. That guy. Are you done? Um. Okay. So the kraken so, and the kraken is actually. It it is correct to say that it's probably a giant squid or any or something because uh, kraken is German word that actually refers to an octopus or an octopus like creature. Um, so way more than four arms. Eight, as a matter of fact. Yes, or more. I think don't squid have sometimes have more. Some of them have like ten. I thought yeah, I thought it was ten. Yeah, they can. Plus, they have the the two uh, actual like arm appendages that are included when you're measuring the length of its body. Yeah, sands the tentacles. Um, those are incredibly long. Yeah, the, the the really long ones with like the two hands on the end, basically. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Those are well. You always see them in the movies like that. So, what? I just looked something up and my, my DuckDuckGo just told me I was looking up something else. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, Uh-oh. I, I can't type with just my left hand. Ah, whoa. <laughs> I, I did it with just my left hand and I'm like holding... Well, no, I was like drinking I was like drinking my tea with my right hand and I guess my, my hand like went across the stupid trackpad and I oh, deleted okay. deleted what I was writing. Anyways, the Kraken. Okay. Squids all... No, squid all start with eight legs. Yeah, and two of them are not legs. So so technically 10. That's what I was looking up. There we go. Okay, uh, so the Kraken. Giant squid. Um, Norse. Norse legend. Uh, a lot of Scandinavian stories about this thing. Uh, it would It would... I mean, like, they started these tales like 800 years ago. So, yeah, and that's just and that's just what we know, mm-hmm. uh, or think we know at least. Um, but yeah, this is your quintessential giant sea monster that isn't a sea serpent specifically um, that would take down ships, would you know grab guys off of ships and eat them, but would usually drag an entire ship down beneath the water. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of fishing boat disappearances. Um, also, I guess I guess there would be like a nasty smell. That accompanied the Kraken? Yeah, like a smell of death or decay. Yeah, like dead fish and decaying. Yeah. Exactly. Not surprising. Um, this is typically explained by naysayers and, you know, the people who say, well, we're in the modern era. We believe in science. Um, typically explained by just bad storms. And they would say, well, they're just trying to explain dis- disappearances of ships going on long voyages. Um Obviously, ships go down in storms, sure, but the amount of sightings over the centuries, the descriptions, they all seem to match these giant squid creatures. So I don't think that this is a false being or just mythical by any stretch of the imagination. 
No, me neither. Um, it's squid. I mean, this is real. This is, I mean, giant squid exist. We know they exist. We've seen them. <laughs> um, and they could be bigger. Yeah, and they could be, oh, dude. Okay, so we don't know. What do they say? We've explored like what? One-tenth of the oceans? Something like that? Something like 10%. that. Somewhere like that. 90% of the oceans are undiscovered, blah, blah, un- unexplored. Uh, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> because it's really deep and really dark down there, and it's hard to explore because of all the pressure from the water. Um, I mean, and I've seen some, I, I've seen some of those videos where they, they take the, take the videos from like way, way down deep in like the Marianas trench and they see like the odd things that come by. And there was this one, um, I don't know. I don't know how long it was, but the thing took like five and a half minutes to swim past. Good God. <laughs> yeah. So like, what the hell? That's five and a half minutes of nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And here's the thing. If the biblical cosmology is correct, and we are correct with the layer cake theory, um, who knows how deep some of this stuff goes and what's down in these depths, right? Like, what kind of Nephilim hybrids or just giant creatures from the past that were never extincted or whatever still exist down there? Yeah, and I, I think that actually leads perfectly into one of the most quintessential, another one of the most quintessential uh, sea monsters out there. It's Leviathan. Right. Know, that was, it's kind of a catch-all term for some of the biggest, biggest monsters out there, different than the Kraken, but it's, um, it is the quintessential creature that lives in the quote abyss of dozens of different mythologies. Well, I don't want to move on from the Kraken yet. I had a few more things. So I've, Wanted to mention yeah, about I the Kraken. I wasn't done either with the Kraken, but oh, yeah. all right. we'll, no, we'll get yeah. back to Leviathan's a big one. Like that's a, that's one of the main literally. <laughs> yes, the one of the tentpole creatures of this uh, genre. But um, I, go ahead, talk about. So, as as I was reading into some of these articles about the Kraken, I've always just now maybe this has to do with popular culture, uh, plus what I read about the Kraken in mythology when I was younger and everything, I was unfamiliar that it was associated with a giant crab. Like, I, I don't remember any, de- I don't remember any depictions of the Kraken that have anything to do with, uh, crab claws or being anything like a giant crab. I you know, d- don't either. Where are you getting that from? Uh, from one of the articles, from the Medium article that that uh, we used as prep, uh, it says here the the kraken is considered to have a flat body that tends to emerge from the water in the form of chunks like small islands, and dozens of long flexible arms that can be lifted from the water as high as the mast of the ship. Uh, blah 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 blah. Uh, he is generally imagined as an octopus, giant, giant crab, or combination of both. Oh, this. Dude, this article, this medium article, the Legend of Sea Monster Kraken, mm-hmm. is that the one? Okay, yeah. It reads really terribly. This article has like really bad punctuation and oh, it reads like a Korean wrote it. I was gonna say an Asian wrote I mean, definitely wrote it. It's this. a medium article, so it's probably like ghost written by somebody. Somebody yeah. probably went on Fiverr and paid five bucks to have it written for them. Yeah. Now, um, I have I have heard of its ability to create whirlpools mm-hmm. and everything, but like it's so with the capturing of ships, 
is it doing it because it sees it as competition or is because he's not eating the people necessarily like like it eats tons of fish so is it just is it just eliminating it's is just eliminating competition which would be like a fisher fisher boat or something I wouldn't exactly call a human fishing boat competition for a creature like this. Um, I, I think that there is a sort of malevolence to some of these beings and, and the Kraken, I think is one, if it is, you know, real and as gigantic as they say, um, I think it's feeding off of these or taking them down to the depths out of just a kind of a hunter mindset. Yeah, it may not be eating humans, but hey, there's this giant thing here. <laughs> I see it. It's on top of the water. It's above me. I'm going to take it down. I don't well, know. Gi- I- giant squids have become like a staple in underwater sci-fi and stuff like that. Like uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I, you know, it, mm-hmm. the giant squid was the main, the main obstacle in the Jules Verne book, you know, so like, is it, is it, is, is it just that human beings have a tendency to exaggerate how big something is? You know, like when you see, if you saw a real giant squid, you would be freaked out, understandably, but in your mind, would you make it like 10 times as big as it actually is? Well, the squid that live off the coast of Norway are, 30, they can get up to 30, 35 feet long. Which is a big-ass animal. Right. It's a very, very large animal. So maybe they exaggerated when they said you know, it, was, it was a mile. <laughs> and if you're yeah. just seeing portions of it come out of the water, like, you know, the, the um, depictions that we see a lot of the time are just the tentacles coming out of the water and, and gripping a ship. Um, you're not going to know exactly how big the thing is, but you know it's freaking massive. Right, but the thing is, though, is if it's big enough to grip a ship and pull a ship into the water, it's got to be bigger than, you know, 30 feet long. Right. Well, a lot of these ships, too, they're depicted in many pieces of art as, like, galleons or giant uh, warships and things, but we have to remember a lot of them are, you know, 30 foot long f- uh, fishing vessels or right. you know, 20 feet. Right. Mo- um, well, I don't know about 20 feet going out into the deep, but yeah, going out into the I middle of the ocean. To, yeah. Not to the deepest depths, but you're looking at like, yeah, you're looking like 30, you know, your, a- your average, like commercial type fishing boat, 30, 40 foot long, 50 feet, you know, that's big, but like, yeah, one, one master, two, probably two masts. Right. Um, right. And, and then, you know, in a small crew, you know, whatever. But still, these the original tales were that these things were a mile long, and those have got to be exaggerated. I would give I would give full credence to the fact that it was these people were likely attacked by a giant squid. You know, back in the day, it's possible. You know, they do they do live really deep though. The squid don't tend to come to the top very often, unless they're the Humboldt squid of the Santa Cruz. Or I'm um, Santa Cruz, the uh, Sea of Cortez. Sea of Cortez. Thank you. Um, those things, man, jump right out of the water and eat you. <laughs> well, and that that shows that among different subspecies of of squid, that 
some of them do come closer sure. to the surface and sure. can be territorial. That's what I was looking for earlier. Ah, is a uh, territorial creatures. Well, the so. thing about the Humboldt squids is they're an invasive species. They're not even from there. Right. Where Where were they taken from? I don't think they were taken from anywhere. They just moved in. Uh, had Humboldt to do with- squids uh, are moving around because of supposedly because of climate change and and warmer water cycles in certain areas. So they're, they're moving in that. Okay. So they're, so they're basically doing the bird thing on a large scale. Yeah. But for some reason in areas where there is, well, they're not migratory nitrogen deposit dead zones that kill off tons and tons of fish. For Mm -hmm. some reason they don't kill off the uh, Humboldt squid. No, well, yeah, because like a lot of invasive species, they are really hardy, and the local like like the zebra mussel, right, or the snakehead in Florida. So, yeah, those things. Jeez. Yeah. So we're just pythons in Florida. You, yeah, we managed to get them back in again. <laughs> those <laughs> hybrid giant freaking snakes. Somalia and Maine. I'm gonna turn Southeast Florida into Southeast Southeast Asia. Yeah, right. All right, dog. But that was unnecessary. That was really unnecessary. Like, <laughs> yes, they're an invasive <laughs> species, though. Like, <laughs> God damn it! I didn't want to get mad. We, we're doing we know we're, that. We're doing a sea monster episode. I don't want to get mad. Yeah, they don't like the ocean. Come on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, you wouldn't that's think they'd that's like why the they co- got flown across. I was gonna say you wouldn't think they'd like the cold either. No, they just they they adjust with all the Gibbs. Why do know? they? Yeah, I guess that's where that yeah the the like coat companies were like hell yeah. But look, we're not we're not talking about the Innsmouth folk yet. Okay, so very very nice, nice save, <laughs> Reinhardt. Can you can you imagine no, what no. what H.P. Lovecraft would have written oh. if he had seen like a bunch of Lori Lightfoot in Maine, Lewiston, Maine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually a very funny point. Howard would be like, Howard would have been like, what the fuck? Like, I, even I can't come up with stuff this scary. Like, the old ones aren't as scary as these things. Oh, man. Yeah, it's like, what, which, which old one did they make a deal with? Mm. <laughs> right. So, so we're going to go with the Kraken is most likely actually squid. Yeah. A big ass squid, big ass, squid. and that still makes it real, right? Absolutely makes it real. Uh, it's scary, you know. I mean, like, dude, I would not want like I've seen the pictures of the giant ones that are washed up on shore. There's like people standing next to them, and the people look small. Yeah, I mean, uh, never mind I mean, that these are Asians and they're small anyway. But you know, you got these pictures. It's like the um. Uh, pictures from like Asia or Africa where they have, you know, the giant snake and there's like 20 Filipinos holding it. That's essentially <laughs> what we're seeing is like 20 or 30 Asian dudes standing next to this body and the body is still going. Right. These things are huge and scary. Since we're in the land of the rising sun, do we want to mention the uh, fake mermaid story or? Nah, let's save that. Okay. Oh, for, oh, yeah. So. For humanoids? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, we can make a lot of shape of water jokes in that, that episode. Yes. Yes. I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a little shocked that shape of water is a 
Johnny Monoxide acclaimed movie. No, I, I take I took it back. I was wrong. I I admit. See, I can admit when I'm wrong. I thought it was something totally different. Then I'm like reading. I'm like that is not the same movie I'm thinking of. Like no. No, I'm. I was confusing it with something else. Moving on. <laughs> From the Kraken, so let's, yeah, are we done with the Kraken there? Yeah, I'm good to move on. There was supposed to be uh, something about magic. Um, well, the Kraken does not have any abilities. Right, it the is Kraken doesn't having supernatural abilities. Right, the, but it can use its physical powers to whip up a whirlpool. Right, which is entirely possible for a gigantic creature if it. Yeah, um, I mean, messes with the the water pressure and current enough. Yeah. But that would have to be a massive creature. Mm-hmm. It would have to be in order to make a whirlpool large enough to to sink a boat. Yeah, which we find that in Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot. All right, so you brought up Leviathan earlier. Let's go ahead and talk about Leviathan. Now, when most people hear this, um, I don't know, do you think most people think... Um, book of job or do most people think um just monster well i'm I think- I'm, I'm terrible because i i think about the peter weller movie right 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 what about you and I'm, I'm like one of three people maybe on the planet that would yeah probably it's a it's a fun movie though people should watch it I haven't seen it in years. It's um, terrible. It's like the effects. Well, it's a terrible. Peter Weller movie. Like the only good one he did was RoboCop. Hey, 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 hey. What? Hey. Not true. What? That other, that terrible movie we were talking about earlier today? No. Didn't bring that one up. Oh. What, what? about Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai? Like I said, RoboCop was good. Oh, my God. All right. All right. What about RoboCop 2? The whole RoboCop series was fine, I guess, until they started remaking them. Didn't they use... Anyway. Who did they use in the new one? Was that... um? I think they used a Mexican. Oh, did they? I thought they used... Uh, What's-his-face from the Total Recall. From the Total Recall? Colin, from the, Colin Farrell? Colin no. Farrell, yeah. From the new Total... What I meant to say was from the new Total Recall, but from the Total Recall, yes. <laughs> it's the, like the Ukraine. It's the Total Recall. Oh, man. Don't even get anyway. me started on that crap. All right, anyhow. Um, all right, no more Peter Weller movies. So, Leviathan. So, you think of, you think of the Peter Weller movie. Reinhardt, what do you, where do you go as soon as you hear the word Leviathan? Um, yeah, I, I pretty much go immediately to the biblical or Mesopotamian interpretations. Um, Leviathan connects with so many different uh, beings across cultures and different names. But, yeah, I come back to... Uh, to the biblical description. Also the monster in Atlantis, the lost empire. Right. That's, that's where I was going. That and the Bible as well. I mean, it's mentioned in the book of Job. It's mentioned in the book of Isaiah. Um, I forgot where else. There's a couple of uh, Psalms. Psalms. Well. That's right. The book of Job has a whole chapter dedicated to it. Right. Uh, yeah. Job chapter three, actually. Um, Hang on, let me uh, pull it up here. 
I thought it was chapter 41. Uh, chapter 41, the entirety of the chapter. Oh, no. The uh, yeah, I had it backwards. Yes. So it's pretty long, but actually, you know what? I like that. All right. So Leviathan is, I mean, in the Bible, like talks about basically a, a, a sea dragon, like a big sea monster. This is what would be considered a dragon if you read the description of it. Right. And even right down to um, a description of fire coming out of its mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, Leviathan was created. It's the quintessential uh, chaos monster or chaos dragon uh, that became the basis for what's called the chaos Kampf myth, um, where, you know, a God or demigod hero uh, slays this monster and brings about order. Uh, you find that, like I said, in Meth- Mesopotamian mythology in Egypt and Greece. But yeah, this is the original. Apparently all over uh, were St. George and the dragon, right? Yeah, St. George and the Dragon, speaking of demigods. Right. Um, That's for another episode. Yeah, definitely is for one, but definitely for an episode. Um, So, but actually he gets killed. The Leviathan gets killed in the book of Isaiah. Right. It's mentioned in Isaiah, and uh, many believe, actually, that Leviathan was slain by God. It says you crush the heads of Leviathan. Um. Leviathan was slain between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. That goes into a lot of linguistics in regards to, like, the Hebrew words used there. And that, like, chaos ruled upon the face of the waters. Um, But whatever the case is, Leviathan is this massive beast that uh, existed on the waters of Earth. Um, I would say it probably rained pre-flood. Most of the pre-flood people knew about it and passed it down in story. Um. And it is it is the original uh, in Mesopotamia, or in the Bible, it's mentioned as having the consort uh, behemoth on land. Right, he had a couple of consorts. He had uh, behemoth, the land monster, and Ziz, the air monster. Well, Le- Leviathan was a lady, right? And behemoth was a dude, and they they were supposed to have monster babies, right? Well, yeah, that's how it gets turned into uh, other, or that's what it turns into in other mythologies. Um, uh, Leviathan becomes Tiamat in mm. Mesopotamian mythology. Uh, mm-hmm. Tiamat being, you know, the mother of all monsters, basically. Um, there's also Echidna in Greek mythology, whose consort was Typhon. Okay. Oh, oh well. Yeah, uh, we found it. We found Leviathan in the Talmud. Forget it. Forget it. <laughs> Faking gay. No. Uh, There is. Oh, wow. Check this out. In the Talmud. Listen to this. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. Their ships go to and fro, and Leviathan, which you formed to frolic there. Sounds almost as if Leviathan is being spoken about favorably in the Talmud. Well, actually, there's there's another portion a little bit farther down. Um, it says there are 12 hours in a day, 
In the first three hours, God sits and learns the Torah. No, oh, God wrote the freaking Torah, guys. Okay. In the second three hours, he sits and judges the world. The third three hours feeds the entire world. The fourth three-hour period, God plays with Leviathan. So Gross. Leviathan is God's pet, basically, according to this. Thanks, Jews. Very cool. Right. Thanks, Babylonian Talmudists. Yeah. Get it right. <laughs> Sabbatean um, Frankists. No. <laughs> Babylonian Talmudist is correct, though. I had uh, in the uh, in the Satanic Bible, there's a bunch of stuff about Leviathan, like like prayers to him and stuff. Oh, I'm sure. Right. Well, in in Levian Satanism, Leviathan, because Levian Satanism is is basically a um, a humanist religion. Leviathan is a symbol of like humanistic chaos, essentially, which is what they worship. Um, and Clive. And all- oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, ultimately, their worship is Satan. They equate all of these things with uh, Satan, and they are correct, technically. Um, but yeah, that's that's their view of Leviathan. In Clive Barker's um, Hellraiser movies, when you go to the place where the Cenobites are from, mm-hmm. Leviathan is represented as a double-sided obelisk that that floats and slowly spins uh, just sort of in the, in the vastness. Right. It's more of a metaphorical thing than an actual creature in the movie. Yeah. It's, and I mean, it's, it's been used many times in Western culture, you know, like Thomas Hobbes called his book about having an almighty bureaucracy and a sovereign, you know, Leviathan. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah it's and, usually like, meant in and, the and West. He, he talks about all the stuff in there. Like, this is all a really good thing. If you just, if you just did all of this, everything would be fine. Right. Well, again, like the whole Leviathan is basically in the West, like a, a metaphor for a great evil, you know, a huge, big, bad. Right. I mean, some people actually, thought Leviathan is just a metaphor for the sea itself, you know? Well, the book of Enoch, uh, actually assigns it. Um, I did forget the book of Enoch assigns, uh, Leviathan a gender and does believe it to be a, an actual animal, uh, a being that existed at least pre-flood time, which we know there was a lot of crazy stuff with crystal trees and. Oh, crystal trees are fake, but our buddy will let us keep believing that though. Oh yeah. Yeah. The arbiter of truth. Yeah. He'll let us have that one. Ah, you, you nonces, you mongs, you can have that one. Ah, I was going to say mongs. Yeah. Oh, you crystal trees, you muppet. I don't think I've ever heard him say muppet. Mongs and nonce. Yeah. And, you know, every Brit's favorite C word. Ah, yeah, right. Chips. Other one, but yeah. Lori. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we have, Lori we have doesn't start with C. Asshole. <laughs> Garage. That was actually good. Stop. All right. So leave it at that. Stop where you're ahead. So apparently, okay, let's get back to the metaphorical um, aspects of Leviathan. So um, Leviathan as a metaphor for the sea itself, right? The sea is massive, makes up most of the earth. The sea is also a dangerous beast. If you think about it, I mean, huge, uncontrollable waves that move like wherever and can sink basically any vessel anytime it wants. Right. 
Well, it basically plays into Leviathan as the chaos monster or chaos right. dragon. It's the embodiment of chaos. So that that fits perfectly with the sea, I think. Um, I think that's that's why it is so intrinsic uh, when we look at the ocean, and it's always connected in different religions to the sea, um, or at least the abyss, the the waters of chaos. Yeah, but what if it's a real monster and it's still down there? Uh, it's entirely possible. Some believe that you know land was created out of the the body of Leviathan. Uh, the Norse obviously believed that you know Jormungandr, whose um, whose body enveloped the entirety of the realm, which was a flat plain with a firmament, mm-hmm. um, that he bit his own tail. Sounds familiar, the Ouroboros. Mm-hmm. And when he let go of his own tail, that would be the beginning of Ragnarok, or that would be one of the symbols of the beginning of Ragnarok. Did we do Jorman, uh, Jormungandr? Uh, Jormungandr would be kind of equated with uh, Leviathan. Okay. Type creature. A world serpent is really what, what we're looking yeah, that's at this in the, uh In the Norse mythology, that's the thing that goes around the whole thing, right? Correct. Yes. yes. At least Midgard. Mid, right, goes around Midgard. And much like the Hindu version, there is a snake that goes around the entirety of everything. And, and representing uh, the firmament, right? Representing the firmament, and I didn't mention this earlier uh, in chat, but the symbol of a serpent wrapping itself around the entirety of the realm is an interesting bit of symbolism for ownership. Like the Midgard serpent. Yeah, that's... Well, yeah, that's that's what we just said. Yeah, that's that's the Midgard serpent. That's, um, yeah, it's ownership. Who who owns this, this entire realm? The serpent. The dragon. Hmm. Oh, yeah. There you go. Or not owns, but who lays claim at least. Okay. To it. Fair enough. See? Yeah, I never thought about it like that. Um, are we approaching? Are we, oh, yeah, I should probably look at the time. Oh, my goodness. Look at the time. So, um, in keeping with, you know, the sea monster theme we're going to play, uh, was it Blood and Thunder off of Leviathan by Mastodon? Yes. Hell yeah. I mean, it's like a very obvious song <laughs> for this. Since since we're not on Zencast anymore, who cares? Dude, who cares? Copyright. Like, like, we, like we cared when we were on Zencast. Also true. Yeah. So here's Blood and Thunder by Mastodon, and we'll be back.
All right, everybody, we are back. This is still the Paranormies. I'm still Johnny with Reinhardt, Dogbot, and Grognak. Uh, we are fending off sea monsters. We're trying not to drown. You have the boat sank. Um, I'm actually very far from water. Very safe from a sea monster right now, thank God. You think you are. No, I am. I'm. Oh, uh, you think you are. You don't know. Oh, it'd have to be like a tidal wave situation for the sea monster to get to me. Could be like a Godzilla movie. That's what you think. Somebody know. get Roland Emmerich on it. Right. Oh boy. Uh last hour we talked about Leviathan. We talked about the Kraken. Um There's a lot there's a lot more though. Um off the coast of Florida. Uh in the Bahamas, in the Caribbean, there is a I don't know, sharktopus? Is that what we're going to call it? <laughs> the uh, half-shark, half-octopus hybrid called the Luska. It has been blamed for disappearance of scuba divers and snorkelers and, um, you know, they're, well, mostly in the blue holes in the Caribbean. Now, the blue holes are like, they're just basically sinkholes in the ocean, right? But yeah, but they are but they are connected by a cave system, right? Well, I was getting they just it was only recently discovered that they're connected by a cave system. Yeah, and less than one percent of them have been explored. Right, so we have eighty percent of the ocean is unexplored, and like ninety nine percent of the blue hole system is unexplored. So again, we're gonna go with who the hell knows what's down there. But let's talk about Luska. It's not Luska. Is it Luska? Luska? It, it is Luska. I don't care. It's Luska. I'm, it's my show. Luska. I pronounce <laughs> yeah, it how I want. It's variantly known as a half shark, half octopus, but mostly I've known about this thing for about 10 years, and I've only ever known it really as just a big octopus. So Every depiction one. I've seen of it, it is an octopus with a shark head. Well, yeah, because in movies, of course, they want to do the octopus, the shark head. No, this isn't in movies. I'm talking like like paintings and pictures. Drawings, yeah, there are some. I've just, known, I've just known the giant octopus angle all okay. time. That's the one I've I've always believed. But it it could be the hybrid thing. I mean, that's one freaking terrifying hybrid. I think you have to. I think you have to factor in the Latinos' penchant for exaggerating creatures that terrify them. For instance. The chupacabra is basically just a hairless canid. It's a it's a very rare subspecies of canid. But for some reason, they perceived it as like an alien with glowing red eyes. I uh, mean, they do. Have we should edit that out. What? You should probably edit that out. Yeah, yeah. I was getting kind of racist there. Why? Oh. <laughs> It's racist? I don't know. What, I, mean, I don't care. Did you say there's no such thing as chupacabras? No, chupacabras are real. They're just not... Uh, they're not aliens. They're they're just... They're a subspecies of canine. Sure. Okay. okay. But we're talking about a sharktopus. Yeah, we're talking about a sharktopus. I know. Here. I'm saying like, that they that the Latinos has exaggerated this this creature. They There's no shark head on it. It's probably just a Really hungry octopus. I mean, it's possible. 
Um, That's what I think it is. But there are a lot of sharks down there as well, so it could it could be an honest just like melding of the two. Well, it's supposed to be at least seventy five feet long. Yeah, whatever this thing is, it's huge. Right, and it's some like some story. Right, some stories say it's as big as two hundred feet. So, I mean, it's pretty freaking big. Um, it's taken. I mean, I guess it's attacked ships. It's attacked ships, and unlike the kraken, it actually does go after people. Right, it definitely eats people, like the, like swimmers and cave divers. Um, yeah, I guess some locals have claimed to have seen Luska snatch people off the decks of the boat. So, yeah, they, they claim to see that, um, uh, divers from a boat have seen somebody get snatched and pulled under the water by something huge. Um, the swimmer got away, but they noticed he had huge sucker marks on his leg. Hmm. Uh, where he'd been grabbed. Uh, there have been several sonar expeditions down to the Bahamas. This is all centered around, though Though they are around the blue holes, typically those entrances, which can be inland or out in the ocean. Um, most of the like, recent sightings in the last like 10 years or so have been around Andros Island, um, which is pretty desolate. Uh, a lot of that land has been unexplored. So... Uh, I think the main thing about this creature that makes it so terrifying and unknown that adds to its mystery is the blue holes. This thing can hide. It has right. an entire cave system mm-hmm. uh, in which right to travel and hide. Right. And again, I mean, like to, to add some credibility to this, uh, there has been several sightings of what are called globsters. That's cool. What's a globster? Uh, a globster is it's basically just an unidentified blob of a carcass that washes up. Um doesn't have any sort of identifying marks. Doesn't have, you know, you can't tell if it's a dead baby whale or a dead octopus or dead what it's just a blob of a thing. They call them globsters. So it's that big, like people can't just move it somewhere to identify it. Oh no, like, dude. Some of these things sticks at it. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh let me see if it'll let me see if it'll drop it. I'm gonna see if I can drop it in the chat real quick. Yeah. There's a globster, dude, when it when it comes up. Oh come on, there it goes. Oh. Hey, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that's what I'm saying. That There's- looks like it smells really Bad. Yeah, that's well. They do. They usually do. There are some sort of unidentified, like globular blob. Um, so you know that could be could be a, a dead. You know, one of these things, right? Well, I know uh, this happens all over the world too. This is not just in in the Caribbean. Oh, the globster show up. No, yeah, I mean they, that's true. But like, um, but like the the Luska is like you know if it's an octopus and it's supposed to be big, there have been several have turned up in the Bahamas and in Florida and whatever these globsters. Uh, the Saint Augustine monster. Uh, there's supposedly um, one of the earliest recorded sightings of a globster. They said that was possibly a Luska. Um, that was found in 1896 near St. Augustine, Florida. 
Yeah, and they said it was it was some kind of weird decomposing tissue from a whale. Yeah, that that sounds but, like a coke. Nah. That sounds like a coke. Mm, yeah. Smashing X. Right, right. They said it was from a sperm whale, too, which I didn't think sperm whales went that far south. Uh, well... Don't they go? Don't they go up and down the coast? They do. Like, no, those I mean, are the other the, uh, the gray whales and whatever the humpbacks. But no, I thought the sperm whales were all like way down in the south, like Australia, like deep out that way. Well, like that would be like cold water. That would be like North Atlantic cold water, or South Pacific cold water, like deep. Um, or on the, really? I mean, trying to trying to look here. So. Life cycle. What are you looking up? I'm just looking up sperm whale. I want to see where oh. they normally, uh, where their habitat normally is. What are what else I, you get instead in your search? <sighs> wow. Stop it. Uh, see, live 70 years or more. No. What? Why will you not tell me where they typically live? Because I always thought they were a little bit farther north, just like giant squids. Farther north, deep water, but not as deep as a giant squid. Um, does have the largest brain on Earth. Migrate seasonally for feeding and breeding. Um, hmm. That's really odd. Oh, well. Anyways. So, yeah, they said it was decomposing flesh from a sperm whale. I'm pressing x on that as well i, oh, I am too i am too i think that i i think that might be a luska oh here you go habitat of the sperm whales the open sea more specifically can be found in almost all marine waters deeper than uh three thousand feet that are not covered by ice except in the black sea possibly the red sea they tend to be more frequent around cold water upwellings okay oh, but why, they would do it, why would it why would it hurt to just identify one of these things that float up to the shore as a new creature say, Oh wow. Look, it's a new creature. Okay. They did. They called it a globster. <laughs> That's terrible. That's it's a block. Look, I didn't make it up. Okay. Listen, the Luska has been featured on TV. Oh, cool. Many it has times. Its own show many times. Well, I mean, monster quest, river monsters and a show called destination truth. So yeah, Destination I, Truth. I, I used to I watch years. Yeah, I watched that years ago. Uh, this guy Josh Gates. He's a complete normie anthropologist kind of guy, out of Africa theory type dude. Oh boy! But they would go around and look at their their big um, their big shtick was not just staying in America, but going all over the world looking for cryptids and uh, like foreign ghosts. You know, the haunted mosque in the jungles of Malaysia to Luska and Caribbean. Kind of thing. Basically, mm -hmm. getting the sci-fi channel to pay for his vacations. Yeah, basically. With his buddies. I mean... I think that's pretty sweet. You know, it's a pretty sweet grift if you can get it. I was going to say, yeah. If you, I'm not, I, I'm not hating. Don't hate on that guy. Hey, I mean, he even got them to pay to go to Chernobyl in Romania. Oh, right. Yeah, and they're all yeah, He fine. went to go see the elephant's foot, right? No, they went for uh, werewolves and vampires. Oh, Oh, of course. I mean, right. uh, like you, you can't just say I, I'm going to see how deer are thriving in the uh, the <laughs> right. nuclear 
near the, the, the nuclear yeah, meltdown that happened. That totally oh, for, happened. For Chernobyl, they went for nuclear ghosts. Oh, nuclear ghosts? Oh, okay. Yeah, well, a, well, I mean, that, yeah, you had to add that adjective, right? Yeah, they had um, they had Geiger counters on all their outfits. And what's funny is they got in the middle of the city, and they're like, huh, okay, we can take all our equipment off. That's fine. But as soon as something scary would happen, or quote, scary, somebody thought they they saw a ghost or, or felt something, the Geiger counter would go off the chart. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd have to run away. Oh boy! Like, oh guys, guys, we have to get out of here! Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So but, back to this Luska thing. Um, like just like giant squid, you know, everybody thought they were fake until they were discovered. Right, uh, river monsters. What, what's his name? The British guy. Uh, Jeremy something. Jeremy Wade. Yes. Jeremy Wade. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to a river and I'm going to get a mean fish. I've talked to villagers and they've said this fish killed a child. I am going <laughs> to reel this fish in. This yeah. fish is mine. And then, he, then he catches the fish. Yeah, that's the whole show. My rest drowning. killing me. <laughs> he's just going to slip and fall one day and drown. He's just, I've he's, been I've been fighting with this fish for three hours. <laughs> What's that, Gardner? I like that sometimes he feeds it to the uh, the villagers, and sometimes he throws it back. Like, <laughs> he's like, I'll feed, feed this village and not this village. So, selective eugenics? Well, maybe the fish isn't really all that edible. One of the best sometimes. ones was when he pulled up a giant, like, riverbed manta ray. <laughs> I, was, I was like, damn it. Oh, the freshwater no rays? Yeah, those are cool. I had no idea those things got so freaking big. That mm-hmm. thing was it was huge. They get very large. Oarfish as well. Oarfish are crazy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's that Johnny, when you mentioned earlier, you know, they got the camera down like way down deep in the water and something mm-hmm. takes like five minutes to go past the camera. Mm-hmm. It's probably some kind of oarfish. Right. I need to turn the lights on. Um, I'm getting, oh, getting scared. Uh, not really. I just, yeah, a little bit. No, um, I do when I we do shows like this, sitting in the dark while recording probably isn't always the you know the best for that weird heebie jeebie feeling. I make sure you're wearing blue light glasses too. <laughs> Why? Oh, for your eyes, so you can actually go to sleep tonight. Make sure you don't have nightmares, and make sure your eyes aren't dry. Why would I wear blue blue light glasses though? I just have my screen set properly. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with Aluska on TV, it's always been the typical like something big passes by a camera. Uh, Josh Gates caught something on Fleer. That is, of course, <laughs> something just bobbing up out of the water on a thermal camera. Right. Um, your typical Hold on. Oh, a, a fish. Huge. So a a a fish. Or in uh, uh, invertebrate, actually, I guess it'd be a giant invertebrate popped up out of the water and showed up on the flare. It was a what they concluded was a tentacle. How would a tentacle show up on? on the, if it, if, I guess. Well, even if it's cold, cold water, um, it I mean, will co- it will at least show in a shade of blue. So it was at least something that stood out from the I rest guess. of the water. Uh, sure. 
So, and if something does come out of the water and it's cold, you're going to see it pop up out of the water because it's just a sea of blue on the camera itself. If something moves out of that mm, yeah, up I guess. into the air, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I guess yeah, you would. I guess they would have see seen it. something. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I don't think that's what it was. I've actually seen that episode. I don't think so. But um, what do you think? I still it was? Think you saw the episode. Real. What's that? I can't believe you saw the episode. What did you? What do you think they saw? Oh, I used to. I used to watch that show years ago before I got into any of this. Um, I liked it. It was fine. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was fine. That's. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, it, it wasn't like, oh my god, I'm missing Destination Truth. It was like, oh, this is on. Okay, this is better than the 137 channels of nothing else on. So. I'm going to put this on and go to bed. Um, yeah, I think if anything, because uh, Gates was down there in one of these blue holes mm-hmm. and he had brushed up against something that he was, he thought was part of a wall and he said it moved. He said it was something really big that looked like it was part of the rock moved in front of him. Uh, didn't get it on camera because the visibility was so bad down there. Um, the visibility in the blue holes was so bad. It's really clear water. I mean, they're talking well, like it's clear water, but you're Caribbean. in the middle of all these rocks and it is a tight, dark space. Uh, you would uh, think that they're down there filming. They have lights. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing is they're never going to catch this thing on camera because why would they? Right. Because then the show's over. You know, yeah. It's like, yeah. Then, yeah. It's like that's the Bigfoot, like the hunting for Bigfoot. Once they catch Bigfoot, that show's done. Dude, yeah. fi- Finding Bigfoot was hilarious. To That's watch. what it's called. I Finding the Bigfoot. First season of that. I did too. I watched the first season. And what was the other one? Squatching. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. But there was that big goofy guy that was on there. Uh, I think he was the spinoff. Make Squatching. I think. Possibly. I don't know. Anyway, it's possible there's a giant octopus down there. We don't know. It's giant. I mean. It is a possibility. Like like we said, squids were giant squids were a myth until they weren't. Right. And once again, we've explored next to nothing out of this this entire cave system. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't even know what gorillas were until like nineteen hundred. So we still don't know. And the- <laughs> okay, don't, don't don't make this weird. They, um, they talk about them in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes. <laughs> they do they, they, well, it's, yeah it's it's in the new ones that they just found um and the back of a jewish library <laughs> it's where they always find everything oh we forgot about these yeah, this kid found him in 1945 after the holocaust he threw he threw a rock because he was mad hearing about all the jews <laughs> and he hit a clay pot so yeah there's a couple of people that that are saying that the saint augustine blob it was probably the Aluska. Yeah, I don't know these these globsters. Like I said, they happen all over the world. I mean, if you if you search anything sure. about stuff washing up on a beach, like unidentified mon- animals, um, it's anything from like a hairless sloth, which I know was found in I want to say Nicaragua. Um, to mm-hmm. it could be a giant octopus. It, well, that's the other thing. It could really be a weird. giant. It could be a big anything from the ocean because, like, a lot of times, it's what's left, you know, and like fish eat things and 
birds and other sea animals. See, I just love how we can find, we can go down to Africa and we can find 30 bones from a 5,000 mile radius and put them all together and create an entire skeleton of a new human subspecies, but they refuse to identify any of these. (laughs) Or at least try to. I mean, have you really looked at them that they're, I mean, I guess. No, nine times, nine times out of 10, they are just literal blobs of yeah, gray matter. Yeah. It's <laughs> gross. And I like, like Dogbot said, they have to smell really bad. Horrible. Yeah. Right. Like worse than the DMV break room. Wow. It's a rather Jeez. specific. I'm sure it doesn't smell great in there. So going back to mythological monsters uh we have here we have the scilia or the cyclia or the scilia depending on how this guy wrote it does it the spell check not exist i don't know i don't know why people can't spell it's skilla or it's skila. Skila. i know it's skila <laughs> but skivy skivia skivy stevia it's yeah stevia scabies so, so Scylla originally began her life as a ravishing nymph, which, by the way, is borderline pedophilic, just so you know. Nymphs throughout history, that, like, especially after watching that pan thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nymphs were like 11, 12-year-old girls. Nothing ravishing about a 12-year-old. Knock it off. It's like ephibophilia at at best, pedophilia at worst. Neither of them are good. Anyhow. Both of which are featured heavily in Greek mythology. Yes, yes, very much so. Strange, isn't it? That's for another episode. So anyways, so Cilia started off her life as a, as a nymph, but she ended her life as a sea monster. Who terrorized the ancient Greeks? A lot of, a lot of Greek seamen terrorized and, and killed. Uh, she drove a lot of ships, a lot, a lot of ships to the rocks, and ate countless sailors. It's pretty, uh, pretty gnarly lady. You're, uh, but she got turned into a sea monster. So this yeah, is like, it, it, she wasn't born that way. Right, that's, right. No, she was a, a ravishing nymph, as I stated as, earlier. As normally happens in Greek mythology, mm-hmm. a god fell in love with her, was spurned, and uh, in this case, the goddess of magic, Hecate, or not Hecate, um, uh, Circe, the Circe. sea witch, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, poisoned her favorite swimming hole and turned her into a serpentine beast with multiple heads. But but what you're Quick. leaving out is that Circe here is a full-on roasty who was completely jealous of uh, this nymph, right? Because the this this god that she the sea god that she was into was into the nymph instead. So this was done out of uh, jealousy. Yes, yes, typical roasty jealousy. So yeah, yeah. But here's the here's the thing. I have a question about. How many times have you heard a story about a god, a Greek god, coming to, coming to Earth and trying to ravish a human woman and being spurned? 
Well, usually they once. turn into like a swan or some shit, right? Yeah, they that's always, Zeus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally I mean, normal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what she was turned into is pretty wild. Her her legs were twisted into yapping dogs, and she felt a burning pain as six monstrous heads sprouted from her back. Mm. She grew uh she grew dragon tail or whatever. Yeah, she had a long tail and and spikes like like a dragon apparently. Um the some, yapping dog legs is a wild touch. Uh you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how scary yapping yapping. I don't dog know. Legs. I don't know what in the curse algorithm like the the yapping dog heads yeah, is the decision there. Well, it was the it was the Mount Olympus uh AI bot generator. Or monsters, they would actually just <laughs> feed in what they wanted to an AI, and it would just spit out whatever curse result, and that's just kind of what they got. Because after after a while of cursing humans that have spurned you or did literally nothing wrong, but they made you mad anyway, somehow you kind of run out of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, Skila took to the cliffs uh, that were actually in the same area as her poisoned well. Huh, funny, poisoned well. Um, and she sat on one side of this watery strait. So you've got two cliffs um, on either side of a small body of water that most ships would have to pass through. I forget what the name of the strait is, um, but it's the strait that Odysseus supposedly passed through on his odyssey, on his journey back from the Trojan War. Uh, so on one side, you had Scylla, who would eat your men. And on the other side, you had Charybdis, who was a monster in her own right that would create a whirlpool that would drag your ship down. So you either got most of your men eaten or your entire ship pulled to the bottom of the ocean. Right. Also, Charybdis was a he. Ah, I'm sorry. Charybdis that. was a he. And the other thing uh, I just realized after reading this, uh, that Scylla was not human. So her mother was one of three possible goddesses, right? Uh, there was this obscure sea goddess named Curtis that could possibly have been her mother. Um, oh, possibly uh, Hecate, like you said earlier. And then there's Lamia, some shapeshifter. So who knows? But her mother was, so she wasn't human. So I guess it wasn't, she wasn't, a uh, human spurning a god. So. No, she wasn't. She wasn't mortal. But nymphs, nymphs would regularly fall victim to. Oh yeah, the voracious appetites of the Nephilim. Anyway, um, also that's skill and Charybdis is where we get, uh, funny enough, the adage uh, between a rock stuck between a rock and a hard place. That is true. Yes, because the hard place would be the whirlpool. I guess. And she'd be the rock, rock. would be the cliffs. Yeah. Um, Because you can't sail too close to one side without getting something wrong. You got to hide down below. You got to hide under the deck while you you just, you just coast by. Just pretend. Unarmed. Pretend she's not there. Yep. Let, Let six of your most Sigma crew members get eaten and you make it through. Right. That was the other thing is always, always six. Always six members of the crew would die. They would. She always okay. eat six of them. Just don't go too close to Charybdis. 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 Char- yeah, he. We already did this Char- one. 
Charybdis. Charybdis. I feel like you try and pronounce these names until you come up with something. <laughs> it's Charybdis. Hmm. Just a big old whirlpool. Yeah. Which you th- which you think would be something to do with a roasty, but it's not. It's it's just a like it isn't isn't there also another sea monster that with like like hydra heads and stuff in in the Odyssey? Or were those the only two sea monsters? No, there's another one. Um, I had it pulled up. I have so many freaking tabs up tonight. Is the sirens? No, not the sirens. We're not but, doing the sirens. No, we're not doing the sirens. Cool. No, there's um. <sighs> oh, see. dude! There's... I can see why you got Charybdis because they said that Charybdis was originally a nymph. Okay, so I guess Charybdis was a female. Was also a nymph? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, what what Charybdis do? Uh, she was cursed by her father? God, they just can't catch a break. Yeah, so she displeased Zeus. Um, Which seems to be, a, a like, a normal thing. Like, he, he's not hard to, be, to do. Well, yeah, right. he seems pretty he, hard. Pretty hard in the ability to please department yeah he does he does seem like like one of those kind of dads um but she was responsible for the tides basically right for the ebb and flow of the tides and for flooding dry land and i guess she went overboard um so she went overboard and flooded flooded too much like maybe me is in greek mythology is charybdis uh, responsible for the flood uh, no, that is a totally separate story. Okay. okay. That's a uh, Deucalion. Deucalion. Okay. So, yeah, I guess it would be. There you go, Reinhardt. Charybdis is a female. Yeah, but they it, these beings change gender, change backstory all the time. Um. So whether it's a he or she, whatever. Uh, notice in a lot of these, whenever you get these these pairings of monsters, you get a lot of the male and female, like mm-hmm. Typhon and Echidna, or um, Abzu and uh, Tiamat. You, know, you get these these pairings a lot. So you're thinking of Cetus, there, Dogbot, maybe, maybe in the the myth of Perseus and Andromeda, possibly. Okay. Cetus was, I guess, another dragon-type creature, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. That's another one. And then there's also... What's that? C-E-T-U-S, that's right. Yes, C-E-T-U-S, Cetus. There's also um, Calypso, the sea nymph. Um, There's the Lernian Hydra. There's the Hydra. Yes. Yes. The Lernian Hydra. It's a nine-headed serpent that lived off the coast of Lerna. There you go. If you cut one head off, two more would grow back. Uh, that was one of the 12 labors of Hercules. He had to slay the, the, the Lernian Hydra. He also had to slay Scylla. Yes. Yes. Um, you, know how, you know how Hercules defeated the Hydra? Uh, just by slashing burned, over and over again. Well, I thought he burned he he burned the nubs. He had his so nephew. Wouldn't grow back. Yeah, he had his nephew burn the nubs. Yeah, with an iron. Yeah, or a torch. Yeah. Sorry, a torch. Yeah. You gotta work pretty fast to get in there, right? 
Well, yeah, like Hercules would chop and then the nephew would get in there with the torch and then he would chop and then he'd get in there with the torch. Yeah, once it, once the Hydra respawned, Hercules later went back after he leveled up a few times <clears throat> and he actually soloed it with a, uh, a rock band drum kit. Wow. Yeah, it was a pretty uh, pretty exciting day for Twitch streamers. I was gonna say these are these are just all bosses from Final Fantasy. <laughs> well, they are now. Like they weren't originally. They weren't like you know how many ever years ago that they were written. I had a really fun but hard game on the eight bit Nintendo, and it was uh, Battle of Olympus. That one was. That one was tough, but it had. But I, I liked it because it had a uh, had the Greek mythology monsters and stuff in it. And the Japanese really do love their Greek mythology. They handle it pretty well. That and, and Kabbalah. They have Kabbalah symbolism and literally anything having to do with magic. Mm, I wonder. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> but they actually like they. <laughs> they don't even use it in like the weird Western way where they try to like deviate you away from Jews. <laughs> they just give it to you full on. Um, what about anyways, what about the Umbuzu, Umibozu? Excuse me. We didn't we didn't do anything from anywhere else, really. This is Japanese. What's oh the, yeah, what's, that's what's the Umibozu. He's a, uh, hold on, where's the, okay, see, he, oh, this is just such a short description. Damn yeah, it. there's not a whole lot on the Umibozu. It's a very abstract being, it seems to be. Hmm. Is it, oh, I'm sorry, it's not a sea monster, it's a sea spirit. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. The, some of the pictures I saw it looked like a giant whale creature sort of a thing, but no, it's not. Well, yeah, some depictions have it with scales or like wings and a giant beak of some kind. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, I think it's a spirit that takes a form or can choose to take a form. Yeah, it's not. It's it's not a sea monster. My bad. I uh, so the. I'm going to try and pronounce this one. The Bishkion. The Irish Cub. sea monster. Oh. The Bestkion. I don't know how to pronounce that. B-I-E-S-T. B-I-E-S-H-T-K-I-O-N-E. Bestkion. The Beast of the Black Head. Off the coast of the Isle of Man. So... I found this one like here. I found this one. Wait. I found this one while I was uh looking at some of these other ones. And it's a Also it's a live find. Yeah. It's an Irish where'd that other tab go? Oh my god, I have too many tabs open. Um yeah, if you could post that link in the chat. I know I know about some like the uh the Kelpie mm -hmm. um Oh, what are some of the others? The well, uh, selkies—that's what they are. But those are basically seals who turn into humans. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I don't know about the one that you mentioned. Actually, 
Yeah, so the uh, sea monster residing in the Irish Sea south of the Isle of Man, the name which means the beast with the black head in Manx is said to have been feared by local fishermen and sailors. That is literally it. That is all I saw. Hmm. This Interesting. Yes. This is what, off the Isle of Man, so right between Ireland and England? Yeah. Yep. Interesting. No pictures. Um, um, very short description. That's what I'm saying. That one was very short. So, that's, well, for a very long time, the Irish did not take to the seas that much. So it stands to reason they wouldn't really have many uh, sea monsters, well, aside from those who come to the coast. It's very difficult to make seafaring craft out of potatoes. I'm uh, sure if you ask one of our good friends, he will give you a tutorial on potato ships. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That was that was his original name, and then Johnny convinced him to change it. Not potato chips, but potato ships. Yes. I got him to change okay. it from potato chips. <laughs> that, it, it was a joke. Never mind. <sighs> well, no, the Irish Irish myths. Yeah, they typically, if they have anything to do with the ocean, they are typically centered around uh, the coasts, <clears throat> water closer to the coasts, or they have something like High Brazil. You know, the Irish Atlantis. Um, but as many myths coming out of northern Europe, like those coming out of uh, Norway, Sweden, um, typically have to do with things near uh, near land, near the fjords, uh, out in fishing areas. Um, but yeah, not a whole lot. And in, of course, nowhere. The reference for this is. A dictionary of uh, a dictionary of Celtic mythology, and it is found in the Oxford Reference Library, which I cannot access unless I set up an account. Of course, Oxford. Right. <laughs> Keeble College, Oxford. Don't get me started on the Oxford Club. But you don't you don't like the Oxford people? No, no, not at all. How did they hurt you, Reinhardt? They hurt everybody. Oh boy! <laughs> that's why we have. That's why we have the um, partially why we have the historical narratives that we have today. It's a bunch of occultists and oh yeah, Jesuit aligned authors that were totally Christian, but you know, banging each other and having rituals on the lowdown were rewriting most of our history and folklore. Reinhardt, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. <laughs> This is a sea monster episode. Right. Um, I can't find anything else on it other than that it comes from ancient Celtic lore and its name means black-headed monster. Maybe it got canceled. If if its name means black-headed monster. I don't know. All right. Yeah, I I do not know about that one. I've not heard of it before tonight. Yeah, I, I just like I said, it was a live find, and I, and I didn't realize it was that it was going to be that bad. Sorry about that. Um, well, here's here's it out of the book called the Book of Creatures. So, fishermen in the Isle of Man have traditionally observed a number of customs. Whistling on board bothers the wind and is discouraged. Sticking a knife in the mast on the appropriate side. Uh, blah, 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 blah. The appropriate side causes the wind to blow from that direction. Losing items on board is bad luck. Borrowing items from lucky boats brings good luck. 
Four-footed land animals should not be mentioned by name, but instead by a circuitous sea name. Rats, for instance, are called long-tailed fellows. Cold iron is remedy to most acts of bad luck. Then there is a number of sea creatures that can wreak havoc on fishing vessels. One of the Bishkindu, the beast of the black head, is the most terrifying. Makes its home in the sea caves on Black Head near Spanish Head on the southern tip of the Isle of Man. The few who have seen it said it has a head like a large horse and it can be heard roaring by fishermen off Spanish Head. Some say it is the soul of the man, of a man killed by pirates in order to protect their treasure hidden in the headlands caves. Nobody has ever attempted to claim that treasure. So, dude, let's go claim that treasure. We could live like kings. Is the Paragoonies? <laughs> yeah. So there you go. There was an article on the based count or whatever the fuck you say. I don't know. Um, I want the treasure. Okay. We should go get it. I'm not going to Ireland to go look for sea monster treasure. If we're going to Ireland, we're going to megalithic sites and go into the underground to find the fairies. Well, if they're... Oh my, slay them. Oh my gosh, but there's treasure. Okay. So, we can go let's just talk about... Let's just talk about... Hey, hey, hey. Let's just talk about um, sea monsters here just in general for a second. So, what do you think that these stories and stuff are like? I mean, we've, we've already said that some of them are most likely squid. Um, what do you think that possibly that a lot of these things could just be uh you know decomposing um the, the stuff that's found just de- you know like like lobsters or just decomposing whales well some of these some of these ships are are owned by companies right mm-hmm. and uh some of these some of these crews they come back and the ships look like crap because they accidentally uh parked it on some rocks or some shit and they decided to start telling people they saw sea monsters to account for the the uh, poor handling of the ships. I'm also going to press X on that one, but I mean that that sounds like something some slacker teenager would come up with. I don't really think that that like ships crews and stuff. I don't. I don't really. I don't buy that, dude. They made up sea monster tales because they're like, oh, shit, we accidentally curbed these wheels. Fuck. No. Uh, That was the Kraken. Well, tell him it was the Kraken. Just tell him it was the Kraken. It'll be fine. You weren't there. You have no idea. This thing was a mile long. Well, would they be would they be be doing that so that they can actually get their insurance premium back from the like the Jew that insured the ship? A Jew's going to believe a sea monster story. You never know. Tell them it's the one out of the Talmud. So, okay, so here's the, here's the, here's the thing. So, uh, the basking shark undergoes a very strange uh, decomposition process, right? So does the sperm whale, by the way. Sperm whales decompose in a manner that causes blubber to detach from the rest of the carcass. This, at times, can grow a hairy texture on the whitish blubbery mass that would certainly seem foreign. So there's your globster uh, whale parts right yeah that could definitely account for a lot of them if not most sure uh the basking shark go undergoes a similar decomposition process which causes them to lose their lower head and fins 
first, right? So the end result is something that it resembles something like a plesiosaur. Could somebody have seen a dead basking shark? Possibly. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's entirely possible that the most boring explanation is legitimate. Mundane, the most mundane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have to be open to that, though. Though we, we all hear, I'm sure all of us can agree, we love how fantastic we've learned that this world actually is. And we enjoy speculating and you know theorizing about many of the, the topics. Sometimes the mundane is the mundane. <laughs> that's that's what it is. Yeah. No, I, I, I believe you. I mean I, I agree with a lot of that. I mean um Maybe the mundane is a giant crab like creature that lives off of the coast of Sierra Leone. <laughs> the mundane. <laughs> no, that's the mundanic. Right. Um, there's a Scottish one called the Syrian croin. In Scotland, Syrian. a terrifying Syrian C I R E I N Syrian. I guess Syrian croin C R O I N. In Scotland, a terrifying creature known as the Syrian croin loved to terrify its victims before consuming them in one bite. This creature has a typical water dragon or serpent shape that is both vicious and terrifying, but uses its ability to shapeshift to turn into a seemingly harmless fish. When in this form, it is no bigger than the palm of a human hand. When fishermen catch the Syrian croin in its small fish form, it would suddenly transform back into its terrifying state and swallow the fisherman whole. Hmm. Are you reading from the Monster Manual right now? No, I'm not. I'm not but, uh, it sounds like it, right? Yeah. Grindylows? Yeah, Grindylows are uh, mini water demons from uh, like the southern coast of England. Yes. Um, they Yorkshire, will, specific. Ah, Yorkshire. Um, yeah, so the northeastern coast, actually. Um, but yeah, they will frequently swarm uh, divers, swimmers, you know, fishermen, whatever, and will just drag them down to the depths and eat them. And they base they essentially look like small children mixed with whatever that thing is from the shape of water with uh, tentacle bottoms. Mm. They're really freaking creepy, right? Honestly, <laughs> well, you know, I have a question. How how is it always that like? Like a dragon or a serpent or whatever was the son of like gods, right? Like Jorgmungandr was the child of Loki, right? Loki like had a baby that was a giant monster. I never understood. And then he that. also had Fenrir. Right, right. I just never understood how how that worked like that. Um, anyway, skip ahead, skip ahead. I think that's it. I think we nailed all the good ones. Uh, the sirens and the mer people. We didn't talk about mer people, but we're gonna we're gonna actually we want to do some stuff on them later on. We'll have some fun with that. Yeah, because uh, as we were doing prep for this, we decided we we're like, well, should we do hour one like full on monsters, and then hour two humanoids, and then there are so many aquatic humanoids across mythology and different 
cryptid stories, uh, it really just sort of lends to being its own episode. It's going to be, there's a lot of really weird ones, man. Oh, absolutely. And of course, no episode on sea monsters. We'd be remiss if we did not include Cthulhu. I mean, ah, yes. literally, like the big guy out there in the ocean. <laughs> I read I'm the HP- big guy, but the big guy. Well, the big guy in the ocean. I mean, yeah. For I mean, for in this, in this, in this genre, we're not talking about the big guy, but yeah, Reinhardt. He's the uh, that's Howard's cosmic entity that was one of the great old ones. He, uh, I mean, he could be, what is he, depending on how, how he was drawn, a giant green octopus, a dragon, or a combination of like a, you know, an octopus, a dragon, and a human. (laughs) Sometimes he, sometimes he'd have legs, sometimes he'd just be like a big mass of tentacles. Yeah, and he is currently, as of the writing of H.P. Lovecraft's work, uh, has been slumbering under the Pacific Ocean in the sunken city. Yes. Uh, what's the name of the city? Uh, it's Rille. Rille. Yeah. R apostrophe L Y E H. Yes. As of, as with everything in Lovecraft, there are a lot of apostrophes and yes. silent letters. It's like he was Welsh <laughs> or something. <laughs> that Lovecraft meme. <laughs> Do you remember that? Which one? Uh, it's, <laughs> It's uh, describing the old ones. Now I gotta find it. Oh man! Oh man! I'm gonna have to find this one. What's it? Lovecraft. Somebody said, "Like, why does it, why does this nigga look like he always hiding a bird in his mouth?" Hey, that's <laughs> he's just being polite there's all the time. That, that, there's a lot of things he wanted to just tell people, and he was just <laughs> being polite. Tongue in cheek syndrome. In every picture that he's ever been in. Absolutely. Do you understand some of the people this guy probably had to be around? His Jewish, I'm sure. Yes, like his Jewish wife. Well, that was a mistake. He fell. He fell for the meme. To it, like the Kazar milkers. Yeah, I was gonna say he fell for the Kazar milkers pretty early on. Right. He was anti-Semitic too. Many such cases. He must not (laughs) have known. He just didn't know. Physiognomy wasn't invented yet, I guess. But he know. wrote about physiognomy, didn't he? Uh, he did. I know. <laughs> he was brutal about it, too. He was. He was. Very oh, yeah. He's been canceled time and time again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man. Him and um, what's his name? Ron Dahl. Uh, Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl. Yeah. He got canceled again. Posthumously. Again. His family apologizing for him again. Man, that guy was a... Uh several times over admitted anti-Semite. Yeah. Fucking hate him. <laughs> As I near the end of my life, I've really come to hate them. Yes. I didn't even have to argue uh, with them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm shocked. Edgar Rice Burroughs hasn't been canceled. Cause uh, I mean, he, he's pretty, give it time. He's pretty clear cut about describing ethnicities and some of his Conan stories. Well, there's so there's Conan, there's the terrible uh John Carter film that Disney put out, and then there was that uh crappy Tarzan film that focused quite heavily on the uh colonization of Africa and the blacks. So I think they've just 
<clears throat> quietly canceled him in a way. They did a yeah. really weird Tarzan remake in the eighties with the guy that was in Highlander. Greystoke. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was when that they was brought weird. it was that was more like Tarzan out of the jungle. Yeah, that, that's what they tried to do. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. It's terrible. Yeah, it was bad. I remember that. I'm like, why is I don't know, why is this guy was it Hercules? The guy played Hercules? No. No, it was the guy that played that was Highlander. Kevin Sorbo. Oh, it was yeah. Uh, who Matthew Lambert. Highland? Matthew Lambert. That's right. Yeah, I think that was like his only other movie. Yeah, it was good because he because <laughs> he his accent was terrible. Yeah. So but he, basically, they they found him. They're like, "Hey, back in Civilization, you're super rich. Yeah. This is gonna really work out." He's like, "I just want to go back to the jungle and play with the monkeys." Yeah. You guys suck. <laughs> yeah. But and all right, back to the blacks as the white ape demon. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about Cthulhu. Yes. So Cthulhu, probably the most popular uh, Lovecraft character, right? Of all time. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. The call of Cthulhu. Uh, pretty much everybody knows it. If you know anything about Lovecraft. Um, and of course, uh, Cthulhu and the great old ones like Dagon, uh, all have cults. They have worshippers mm-hmm. uh, that live in society, either in the dregs of society, somewhere like Innsmouth, which is, you know, very uh, secluded and inward, uh, inward focused, or they are, you know, on the surface, normal public appearing people doing dark things in the night. Um, but these beings are all incredibly old. Mm-hmm. They are all cosmic, so not of our quote galaxy or not even our universe or, i guess yeah. or a realm or whatever yeah they're just yeah and they're all male- they're all malevolent too like they could all be considered devils in their own right this is true this is true um you know there's an actual cult of cthulhu right oh fantastic yeah, a bunch of larpers it, yeah read it read another book okay they they made one. They have the the Bible of Cthulhu. That sounds super gay. Um, it, let me read you the let me read you the table of context. Oh, contents context. The Viridian verses, the tenets of Cthulhu, rites and rituals, tome of Azathoth, tome oh. of Yog Sothoth, tome of Cthulhu, <laughs> tome of Shug Niggeroth. See, I mean, oh, even wait, there. Wait. Tell yeah. me what? Shub, Shub Niggeroth. I love H.P. Lovecraft, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Shub Niggeroth. I'm gonna say that That's again. That's the oldest old school rap god. Right. He is. He is. Yeah. It was. It was. <laughs> I like that better than Bubba Hotep. You can hear if you hear him beatboxing. That means your life is almost over. That's right. It's him and Grandmaster Flash were the first two. That was it. Be- beatboxing into insanity. <laughs> He gibbous moonwalks. It's it's, it's gibbous. Yeah. Gibbous. Yes. Uh, Azathoth's dream illustrated the appendix of archetypes, initiation process, the gatherings, the Hralian dictionary, and the contract with the old ones. Hmm. It's like okay. leather wrapped cream pages it's like on an actual like bible page type material i'm 
I am vomit. It's premium. Yeah, it's like all super, oh. pre- dude. Yeah. Well, you know when Lovecraft was still alive, people actually believed the Necronomicon was real. Like people latched onto Lovecraft's still, writings. They still do now that he's dead. Well, yeah, they they still do, but they did even back then. When I was warping. a kid and I read his stories, I thought the Necronomicon was a real book. I looked for it at the library. I mean, it's probably based on something legitimate. Mm-hmm. He takes he takes uh, his mythos from, I mean, very clearly from Egyptian Mesopotamian mythology. Right. No, he's um, done his research, you know, clearly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And made up a whole bunch of shit on his own. Poor bastard died penniless. It, it's the way that he... Doesn't everybody? It's the way that he wrote it and wrote about it. It gave you the impression that he was drawing from actual text and inspiration that way well and i think i agree completely and that's what drew me into books like at the mountains of madness which is my favorite um at the mountains of madness uh, call of cthulhu it's this this mixture of uh something that is based in reality the way that he writes it sounds like he's telling a story that actually occurred Mm -hmm. and i think where the horror aspect comes in is this it's it's from the complete unknown and by unknown it's not even of this realm originally right. which i think it's, is is something that ties in well with sea monsters yes they are of this realm but they are something definitely otherworldly um you know the ancient world is viewed as completely different than this modern world right where we basically worship science and worship ourselves that we know everything and Lovecraft kind of took all of that, threw it out the window, and created this cosmic horror beyond all reason. Yes, agreed. Uh, even though some of them are squid. Yes. <laughs> really, really, really big squid. Guys, like, really big squid. Not even joking, like a hundred foot long squid. Like that's, you know how long a hundred feet is? Like that's that's one hundred of my feet. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> that was terrible, Reinhardt. Like, yes, I know how long a hundred feet. No, is, I'm saying like a hundred feet. Okay, so picture a hundred feet. Now these things are like also like a good twenty five feet across. They're not just. You know what I mean? It's not just like this long, skinny thing. These things are huge. Like, and the beaks have got to be, good Lord, that mouth, the giant, it's like a giant parrot's beak. That's what I'm saying, dude. I've always found that freaking creepy. Yeah. And some of them have like a mouth inside of the mouth. They have like the, they have like that, that uh, xenomorph thing going on with the second mouth. Grognite, to your, to your question, I think beaks are just very unsettling, especially when they're on an animal that isn't a bird. That's true. Like, like, and squids, too. I mean, that's obviously where the inspiration for, like, George Lucas' Sarlacc came from in Star Wars, but it's this disgusting, grotesque, blubbery, fatty thing. It's covered in tentacles. You don't see it until you're close enough to basically be eaten by it. And don't forget the eye. Like the eyes, yes. like they only have it's the body with a giant freaking eye. So a hundred foot long thing, probably 
65 feet of that is tentacle. So you figure the eye is probably like five feet across. Maybe bigger. Well, don't squids have eyes on both sides yes. of their, uh, their body? Yes. on either side. Ugh. Yeah. But that's, I mean, if, if the thing is like 10 feet across, yeah. the eyes are separated by quite a few, quite that's, a few feet. That's freaking huge. It's unsettling, dude. No, they're terrifying. Unsettling is too, too, um, mundane too too weak of a word too mundane a word yes good good <laughs> yes all right well we're gonna get at the videos with with the uh the octopus and they like let themselves out of their cages and roam around and then they go back in and lock the cage again yes oh they're incredibly intelligent mm-hmm. octopi are ridiculously intelligent uh they're the pet if you see them at the pet stores like, like some people have reef tanks like saltwater reef aquariums and they'll have, um, there's these really pretty ones from Australia. They're called the blue ring octopus. They're very, very venomous, by the way. Um, but they're little tiny little things. They have these little neon blue rings. And they're very cute and whatever. But they will crawl out of your tank. So you have to have like a, a special tank that like these things can't get out of. Because they can. They can like use their, use their tentacles and open stuff. And they're like very intelligent invertebrates, well, which is strange. Yeah, there are videos of them. Uh, there's one pretty popular one on YouTube of a uh, an octopus that gets caught by a fishing vessel. It's just caught up in the net, mm-hmm. and they pull it out, and they're you know, these two fishermen are looking at it, and they're going to let it go, but they they place it on the uh, on the deck, and this octopus squeezes itself through like a six inch porthole yeah. on the side of the boat, like a drain hole. Mm-hmm. It takes a couple of minutes, but man, this thing does it. It just yeah. There's, also, there's also that octopus that picks the World Series champions. Oh yeah, I remember that. Wasn't that on The Simpsons? No, it's real. No, no, it's I like know, a real, real I know, octopus. I know. That, I know. That that also chooses presidents and other shit. Yeah, it's, it's a lot smarter than you think. But basically, to what the- you were saying, Reinhardt, they're like a they're like a bag of water. You know what I mean? It can just like squeeze through any tiny little hole. That thing just poured itself through that little hole and back out into the ocean. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, uh, yeah. I mean, it's basically one big giant muscle. Mm-hmm. But like that, that has more flexible, tentacles. more flexible than muscle can be though. Like, yes. Yeah. So like a bag of water muscle. Octopi really, really could be. I don't. I don't know, man. I just another think dimension like a, creature from I another think back dimension. To like the pre-flood world, and I think of just this massive ziggurat with a bunch of tanks in it of chimeric beings and everything. And at the at the very end of the hallway, there's just one, and it's an octopus. It's a giant. <laughs> like this octopus is staring at you. <laughs> this is our magnum opus. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, let's take away its ability to speak first. <laughs> Because this thing could probably take over. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, we are actually going to get out of here. There will be a creepy pasta following this. Um, and what else? We got any announcements to well, make? I read HP Lovecraft for the. I thought I thought it'd be fitting for the episode. Okay, I'll have to check it out. Let's see it. Is it a long one? Is it a short one? Because this, we're already two hours and 15 minutes. It's long. It's long. <laughs> it's 16 minutes. Oh, boy. It's, it's kind of long. We'll it's see. sea-related. 
We'll see. Okay. We'll no see. pun intended. We'll see. All right. We're going to get out of here and we, I get no, wait, telegram, all the links are below. Um, this, the only place you can, we're still working on, we're still working on the hosting. We will have that taken care of rather shortly though. Uh, we will for now be available on telegram and on our website at paranormies.com. Check it out. All right. See y'all later. Time travel makes you gay. Dagon by H.P. Lovecraft. I am writing this under an appreciable mental strain, since by tonight I shall be no more. Penniless, and at the end of my supply of the drug which alone makes life endurable, I can bear the torture no longer, and shall cast myself from this garret window into the squalid street below. Do not think from my slavery to morphine that I am a weakling or a degenerate. When you have read these hastily scrawled pages, you may guess, though never fully realize, why it is that I must have forgetfulness or death. It was in one of the most open and least frequented parts of the broad Pacific that the packet of which I was supercargo fell a victim to the German Sea Raider. The Great War was then at its very beginning, and the ocean forces of the Hun had not completely sunk to their later degradation, so that our vessel was made a legitimate prize, while we of her crew were treated with all the fairness and consideration due to us as naval prisoners. So liberal indeed was the discipline of our captors that five days after we were taken, I managed to escape alone in a small boat with water and provisions for a good length of time. When I finally found myself adrift and free, I had but little idea of my surroundings. I was never a competent navigator. I could only guess vaguely by the sun and stars that I was somewhat south of the equator. Of the longitude, I knew nothing. And no island or coastline was in sight. The weather kept fair, and for uncounted days I drift aimlessly beneath the scorching sun, waiting for either some passing ship or to be cast on the shores of some habitable island. But neither ship nor land appeared, and I began to despair in my solitude upon the heaving vastness of the unbroken blue. The change happened while I slept. Its details I shall never know, for my slumber, though troubled and dream-infested, was continuous. When I last awakened, it was to discover myself half-sucked into a slimy expanse of hellish black mire which extended about me in monotonous undulations as far as I could see, and in which my boat lay grounded some distance away. Though one might well imagine that my sensation would be of wonder at so prodigious and unexpected a transformation of scenery, I was in reality more horrified than astonished, for there was in the air and in the rotting soil a sinister quality which chilled me to the very core. The region was putrid with the carcasses of decaying fish and other less describable things which I saw protruding from the nasty mud on the unending plain. Perhaps I should not hope to convey in mere words the unutterable hideousness which can dwell in absolute silence and barren immensity. There was nothing within hearing and nothing in sight save a vast reach of black slime, yet the very completeness and the stillness and the homogeneity of the landscape oppressed me with a nauseating fear. 
The sun was blazing down from a sky which seemed to me almost black in its cloudless cruelty, as though reflecting the inky marsh beneath my feet. As I crawled into the stranded boat, I realized I had only one theory that could explain my position. Through some unprecedented volcanic upheaval, a portion of the ocean floor must have been thrown to the surface, exposing regions for which innumerable millions of years had lain hidden under unfathomable watery depths. So great was the extent of the new land which had risen beneath me that I could not detect the faintest noise of the surging ocean, strain my ears as I might. Though there were no sea fowl to prey upon the dead things either. For several hours, I sat thinking and brooding in the boat, which lay upon its side and afforded a slight shade as the sun moved across the heavens. As the day progressed, the ground lost some of its stickiness and seemed likely to dry sufficiently for traveling purposes in a short time. That night I slept but little, and the next day I made myself a pack containing food and water preparatory for an overland journey in search of the vanished sea and possible rescue. On the third morning I found the soil dry enough to walk upon with ease. The odor of the fish was maddening. But I was too much concerned with graver things to mind so slight an evil and set out boldly for an unknown goal. All day I forged steadily westward, guided by a faraway hummock, which rose higher than any other elevation on the rolling desert. That night I encamped and on the following day still traveled toward the hummock, though that object seemed scarcely nearer than when I first espied it. By the fourth evening, I attained the base of the mound, which turned out to be much higher than it had appeared from a distance, an intervening valley set out in sharper relief from the general surface. Too weary to ascend, I slept in the shadow of the hill. I know not why my dreams were so wild that night, but ere the waning and fantastic gibbous moon had risen far above the southern plain, I was awake in a cold perspiration determined to sleep no more. Such visions as I had experienced were too much for me to endure again. And in the glow of the moon, I saw how unwise I had been to travel by day. Without the glare of the parching sun, my journey would have cost me less energy. Indeed, I now felt quite able to perform the ascent which had deterred me at sunset. Picking up my pack, I started for the crest of the eminence. I have said that the unbroken monotony of the rolling plain was a source of vague horror to me, but I think my horror was greater when I gained the summit of the mound and looked down on the other side into the immeasurable pit or canyon, whose black recesses the moon had not yet soared high enough to illuminate. I felt myself on the edge of the world, peering over the rim into a fathomless chaos of eternal night. Through my terror ran curious reminiscence of paradise lost and Satan's hideous climb through the unfashioned realms of darkness. As the moon climbed higher in the sky, I began to see that the slopes of the valley were not quite so perpendicular as I had imagined. Ledges and outcroppings of rock afforded fairly easy footholds for a descent, whilst after a drop of a few hundred feet, the declivity became very gradual. Urged on 
by an impulse which I cannot definitely analyze, I scrambled with difficulty down the rocks and stood on the gentler slope beneath, gazing into the Stygian depths where no light had yet penetrated. All at once my attention was captured by a vast and singular object on the opposite slope, which rose steeply about a hundred yards ahead of me, an object that gleamed whitely in the newly bestowed rays of the ascending moon. That it was merely a gigantic piece of stone, I soon assured myself, but I was conscious of the distinct impression that its contour and position were not altogether the work of nature. A closer scrutiny filled me with sensations I cannot express, for despite its enormous magnitude and its position in an abyss which had yawned at the bottom of the sea since the world was young, I perceived beyond a doubt that the strange object was a well-shaped monolith whose massive bulk had known the workmanship and perhaps the worship of living and thinking creatures, dazed and frightened, yet not without a certain thrill of the scientist's or archaeologist's delight, I examined my surroundings more closely. The moon, now near its zenith, shone weirdly and vividly above the towering steeps that hemmed in the chasm, and revealed the fact that now a far-flung body of water flowed at the bottom, winding out of sight in both directions, almost lapping my feet as I stood on the slope. Across the chasm, the wavelets washed at the base of the Cyclopean monolith, on whose surface I could now trace both inscriptions and crude sculptures. The writing was in a system of hieroglyphics unknown to me, and unlike anything I had ever seen in books, consisting for the most part of conventionalized aquatic symbols such as fishes, eels, octopi, crustaceans, mollusks, whales, and the like. Several characters obviously represented marine things which are unknown to the modern world, but whose decomposing forms I had observed on the ocean-risen plain. It was the pictorial carving, however, that did the most to hold me spellbound. Plainly visible across the intervening water on account of their enormous size was an array of bas-reliefs whose subjects would have excited the envy of a deray. I think that these things were supposed to depict men, at least a certain sort of men. Though the creatures were shown disporting like fishes in the waters of some marine grotto, or paying homage at some monolithic shrine which appeared to be under the waves as well. Of their faces and forms I dare not speak in detail, for the mere remembrance makes me grow faint, grotesque beyond the imagination of a Poe or a Bulwer. They were damnably human in general outline, despite the webbed hands and feet, shockingly wide and flabby lips, glassy, bulging eyes, and other features less pleasant to recall. Curiously enough, they seemed to have been chiseled badly out of proportion with their scenic background, for one of the creatures was shown in the act of killing a whale, represented as but little larger than himself. I remarked, as I say, their grotesqueness and strange size, but in a moment decided that they were merely the imaginary gods of some primitive fishing or seafaring tribe. Some tribe whose last descendant had perished eras before the first ancestor of Piltdown or Neanderthal man was born. Awestruck at the unexpected glimpse into a 
pass beyond the conception of the most daring anthropologist, I stood musing whilst the moon cast queer reflections on the silent channel before me. Then suddenly I saw it, with only a slight churning to mark its rise to the surface. The thing slid into view above the dark waters, vast, polymephous-like, and loathsome. It darted like a stupendous monster of nightmares to the monolith, about which it flung its gigantic scaly arms, and while it bowed its hideous head and gave vent to certain measured sounds, I think I went mad then. Of the frantic ascent of the slope and cliff and of my delirious journey back to the stranded boat, I remember little. I believe I sang a great deal and laughed loudly when I was unable to sing. I have indistinct recollections of a great storm sometime after I reached the boat. At any rate, I knew I heard peals of thunder and other tones which nature utters only in her wildest moods. When I came out of the shadows, I was in a San Francisco hospital, brought thither by the captain of an American ship which had picked up my boat mid-ocean. In my delirium, I had said much, but found that my words had been given scant attention. Of any land upheaval in the Pacific, my rescuers knew nothing, nor did I deem it necessary to insist upon a thing which I knew they could not believe. Once I sought out a celebrated ethnologist and amused him with peculiar questions regarding the ancient Philistine legend of Dagon, the fish god, but soon perceiving that he was hopelessly conventional, I did not press my inquiries. It is at night, especially when the moon is gibbous and waning, that I see the thing. I tried morphine, but the drug is given only transient surcease. It has drawn me into its clutches as a hopeless slave. So now, I am to the end of it all. Having written a full account for the information or the contemptuous amusement of my fellow men, Often I ask myself if it, could, if it could not have been a pure phantasm, a mere freak of fever as I lay sun-stricken and raving in the open boat after my escape from the German man of war. This I ask myself. <laughs> but ever does there come before me a hideous, vivid vision in reply. I cannot think of the deep sea without shuddering at the nameless things that may be at this very moment crawling and floundering on its slimy bed, worshipping their ancient stone idols and carving their own detestable likenesses on submarine obelisks of water-soaked granite. I dream of a day when they may rise above the billows to drag down in their reeking talons the remnants of puny, war-exhausted mankind, of a day when the land shall sink and the dark ocean floor shall ascend amidst universal pandemonium. The end is near. I hear a noise at the door as of some immense slippery body lumbering against it. It shall not find me. God, the hand, the window, the window!